Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Today, we have a special guest. Uh, his name is Lauren Foster. And fun fact, Lauren and I, along with Pastor Mike Roberts Jr., we all shared an office when we first started here at BC. That was almost 15 years ago now. And they've since gone on to do incredible things. Lauren served on a church called New Life for over a decade. And just this last year, he and his wife, Lauren, moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They're in an area called Mars, and they launched a church called Keystone Church. It's doing incredible. Can you imagine launching a church during a pandemic? They're doing it. We love to support Keystone any way we can, and today he's got an incredible message. So let's give it up in the chats, in the comments. Let's welcome Lauren Foster. Good morning, BC. It is so great to be with you here this weekend at Church Online. This is an incredible honor for me. My name is Lauren Foster. My wife, her name is also Lauren, and we're actually originally from Warren, Ohio. In fact, Believer's Church was our home church for over 16 years when we were younger. And I just wanna say thank you to Pastors Joe and Gina for honestly allowing me the opportunity to communicate to you here this weekend. It's very special. I have so many memories growing up from being a part of Believer's. In fact, this is the place where I found Christ and accepted Jesus in my life. This was the church where I felt called to ministry. This church is where I met my future wife. Hello, that's a good reason to attend church. You may meet your spouse one day. This is where our daughter was dedicated when she turned one. This is a church where we were married in. I have so many fond memories of this house, being a part of this church. I was on staff for many years here and in fact, this was the church that I preached my very first message when I was a senior at Matthews High School. I remember that message because I was so unbelievably nervous. I was standing on this stage preaching a message. I had no idea if even anything that I was saying made any sense. And then the next week, somebody gave me a copy of that message. It was actually on a DVD. That's 20 years ago. DVDs were like unbe unbelievable technology in the church world back then. And so we're watching this message and I remember at one point during my sermon, the camera kind of panned to an angle in the room and there was a brother sitting there in the middle of service and he was completely asleep. I mean, I'm talking about eyes shut, mouth open. I mean, he's gone and he's not sitting at home like you are right now on your couch, in your living room, watching a message. This is when we were meeting in person as a church and he was completely out cold. Let me tell you, that kind of experience will humble you really quick. Fast forward, we moved out of state. We were part of another church for a little over a decade. And just to tell you a little bit about our family and the journey that we've been on, on January 19th of 2020, we planted Keystone Church in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. And let me just tell you, this has been the wildest, craziest, most fulfilling, most God-honoring year that we've ever experienced as a family. Because what happened is, truthfully, in the church world, when we moved to the greater Pittsburgh area in June of 2019, we did something that's typically referred to as parachuting in. 
So we came into a brand new city. We didn't know anyone. We actually knew one family when we moved to Cranberry in June. And we just started to meet families. And we just started to have coffee with different people. And it was amazing building relationships. Lord was starting to build this launch team before the church even began. In fact, we were doing our best just to meet people, serve the community. And we ended up, we were meeting together launched this church on January 19th. And that morning, I will never forget this, we're a portable church. That means we have to set up and tear down every weekend because the location that we're meeting in allowed us to gather on Sunday mornings. Well, the the first day during our church launching, it was snowing. The locks on our trailer were frozen solid. And so I'm outside at 6 a.m. It's stone. I'm like, dear God, please let us get this equipment out of our trailer. And thankfully, there was a man that was salting and shoveling and clearing out the parking lot for our service that morning. He had some antifreeze. He ended up thawing out our locks. I'm convinced he was an angel in disguise. And we ended up having the service. Here's the miraculous part. We had 271 people attend our very first service as a church and seven individuals gave their lives to Christ for the very first time. And I just want you to know that BC and your pastors have been a part of this story, the story that God's writing at Keystone Church long before launch Sunday. I remember in 2019, early before we had relocated, I called Pastor Joe because we had this dream in our heart and we didn't really know what to do with it. And I just called to ask him for advice. When you know there's a healthy seasoned pastor that's kept his integrity and done such an incredible job at leading his church, you wanna learn from that kind of man. So I remember calling him up, asking him for some advice. He was so excited and he prayed with me. And then a little bit later on, this was actually a couple weeks later, He called me back and he said, Foster, actually, we'd like to support you as a church. Uh, BC would like to financially support the vision of Keystone. And I remember talking to Pastor Joe and I said, Pastor Joe, I I didn't call you to ask you for money. He said, I know. He said, but I believe in what God's put in your heart and I want our church to get behind it and to help support the vision. And just so you know, The BC was actually the very first church that ended up supporting and backing the vision of Keystone Church. And so I just wanna brag and, and honor your pastors and say thank you, Pastor Joe and Gina, for the way that you've led this church so well for so many years. It's obvious that you've left a legacy and my family is a part of it. So if you would, before we get into the word here this morning, let's pray together. God, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have to dig into your word. Lord, we're looking to grow and get closer to you as a brand new year is upon us. Jesus, we're looking to find out how you can increase in our lives in a greater way. Help us to accomplish that this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, I wanna share a message with you that I've very simply titled, Jesus Must Increase. And the passage that we're gonna be looking at here in just a few minutes is found in John chapter three, verses 22 through 30. And let me tell you why this message has been on the inside of my heart. 
It's because at the beginning of every new year, many of us attempt something called a resolution. You know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, studies have shown that just about 65% of all Americans attempt a resolution at the beginning of a brand new year. And of that number, this may surprise you, but only 4% actually finish the resolutions that they've placed before themselves at the start of a new year. So if only 4% of the people that start a resolution actually complete their goal, what happened to everybody else? Well, it's very interesting. Statistics have shown, actually the data is very clear. They have identified the date in which most people abandon their New Year's resolutions. Now, it's not in March or April or even sometime in the summer. And it's surely not in the fall when you're close to the end of a year. It's actually on January 10th. So 10 days after you start a New Year's resolution, the majority of individuals, they bail, they're out, they're done. That means that gym membership, you just paid a, a complete year in advance. In 10 days, it's gonna be worthless once the new year begins. I think that's fascinating that everybody just looks at it like, well, I guess there's always next year. Why do I bring this up? Well, because if we're honest with ourselves, many of the resolutions we aim to accomplish at the beginning of a new year are centered directly around you and me. Self-centered goals. What can I do to lose a little bit of weight? Maybe make some extra money, better my marriage, increase my bench press, read through the Bible in a whole year, pray more, get out of debt, the list goes on and on. And let me just say this, I don't think there's anything wrong with desiring to better our lives in these different categories and set goals or to achieve something that you've always wanted to accomplish and to make positive resolutions for a brand new year. I'm geared that way too, so I completely understand. But I'd like to offer a paradigm shift here this weekend. What if 2021 wasn't about you personally increasing, but what if your goal was that you actually decreased? I'll ask the question this way. Have you given permission to Jesus that he would increase in your life? In John 3, Verse 30, this is in the ESV, it says, he must increase, I must decrease. And before we look at this scripture in its full context, you may say to yourself, well, of course, Foster, Jesus has permission to increase in my life. Why would you even ask that? Well, because we've just come out of a season where we've all opened up our presence, we've stuffed ourselves with food, and I'm asking you to consider where your heart is at before we start a brand new year. I wanna talk about how to position our heart towards Christ. Is Jesus getting ready to increase in your life or has your life become all about increasing you? We're gonna see through scripture that our value, identity, and purpose are found in Christ and in Christ alone. And if we'll allow Jesus to increase, then our will and our way will actually decrease. 
What if we looked at 2021 the exact same way that we're gonna see that John the Baptist did in John chapter three? He gave Christ center stage in his life. We're gonna read it now. John three, starting in verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he had spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, they're talking about Jesus now, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. It's extremely significant. We're gonna come back to that. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. As this translation says, he must become greater, I must become less, or Christ must increase and I must decrease. And we're gonna unpack this here over the next few minutes because this is a fascinating moment in scripture. Earlier in that chapter, in John chapter three, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. He's explaining to Nicodemus, this religious leader, how one can be born again, how someone spiritually can be transformed. And our savior is setting the stage here with this religious leader and letting him know it's all about Christ. He is the one that you need the most. And famously, Jesus preaches the gospel message in John chapter 3, 16 and 17. He's sharing with Nicodemus how someone can make it to heaven. And a few verses later, this interaction with John the Baptist is taking place. And in essence, John the Baptist had a group of followers. He had a group of individuals that were following him on Instagram and social media, and they loved the ministry that John was a part of. And John had this crowd that had been coming to him to get baptized. It was clear he had influence in ministry. And as he was proclaiming Christ and all these great things are happening, John's followers recognized someone else is starting to get the majority of the attention. In fact, everyone, as the scripture says, is starting to go to this man, Jesus, instead of you. Why is this important? How does this apply to your life going into a new year? Well, there's a natural temptation for all of us to crave more recognition, attention, and value than we deserve. In fact, interestingly enough, these men, their goal was that they wanted John to increase instead of Christ. Why? Because I believe the world always offers us an opportunity for us to self-promote. The world is always gonna desire to tell you that you deserve more applause and appreciation than you're receiving. There's this selfishness in our human nature that desires and craves recognition. It's human nature to try to self-advance and John the Baptist is rejecting this temptation. So here's what we can learn from this passage here this week. And if you're taking notes, what happens when Jesus increases in my life? Number one, when Jesus increases, 
wherever he leads, you follow. Wherever it is that Christ leads, you follow. Verse 27, to this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. We're we're the bride of Christ, the church. We belong to Christ. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him. This is where we have the opportunity to follow Jesus as he leads and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. As believers, we're waiting in eager anticipation to follow where Jesus would lead. What a great way. What a great aim as we start a brand new year. It's like John the Baptist, he shut down all of his social media accounts. He said, you know what? I'm content if no one else follows me as long as you follow Christ. What are you saying, Foster, that I gotta shut down my social media, Instagram, Facebook, or I can't have any goals that would have any type of appearance that they're centered around my life or my desires? No. What I'm asking is this. I'm asking is for you to consider where your focus is as you start a brand new year. Is Jesus increasing in your life or has your life become all about you? Oftentimes, I think our prayers are geared towards, God, fill me, help me, save me, give me, bless me. And those cries in and of themselves are not bad. In fact, they're not even unscriptural. However, we also have to pray, Lord, empty me of me. Lord, I pour out my life to you so that you can fill me. I don't wanna be full of myself. I wanna be full of Christ. All I am is because of you anyways, and you're in control. And even if my plans don't succeed, as long as I represent you, I can be fulfilled. Lord, whatever role you have for me, that's what I wanna fulfill. Because whatever you've called me to, or whatever you've gifted me to accomplish, or led me to pursue, it's always and only for you. Wherever he leads, you follow. In our our culture, I believe leading oftentimes is embraced. I mean, if you're known as a leader, it's something that's celebrated, it's valued. But a follower and the idea of following, that can appear secondary, seems weak or less valuable, insufficient. Sometimes it's deemed passive or neutral or even negative. Oh, you're just a follower. Listen, Spiritually, letting Jesus lead while you follow is one of the strongest, most secure, and most confident places you could ever reside. Because when he's leaving, when he's leading you, he gets all the credit. He gets all the attention, not you. He gets all the fame, all the glory, and he's the one who's remembered. I'll say it like this. Jesus increases in us when we recognize every talent and gift comes from him. Because he's the one that's been leading, we are the ones who follow. What happens when Jesus increases in my life? Wherever he leads, you follow. And number two, when Jesus increases, our fulfillment and our joy increase. Look at this in verse 29. 
The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. How crazy is this? John the Baptist is joyfully taking a back seat to Jesus. He's totally fine with Jesus receiving all the attention, all the applause. He's the only one getting the attention and he's the one that deserves it. In fact, the voice of the good shepherd has replaced the voice crying out in the wilderness. And as John says, that joy is mine and is now complete. Naturally, it doesn't bring us joy when someone else receives the credit for something that we felt we deserved. I remember years ago when I was in high school, ironically, my best friend who also attended a church with me growing up, his name was Mike. Mike came and he spent the night over my house uh, one night. This was before the new year, but it was after Christmas. And I remember I had just bought a brand new sweater. And back in the day when I was in high school, like you waited, or at least I did. When I got a brand new outfit, I didn't just wear it, you know, for some casual interaction. Like I waited for the moment because when I, brought, when I busted that outfit out, I wanted it to be significant and I wanted to get a response. So I had this sweater that I purchased. I thought it was a big deal. And I remember it was hanging in my closet and I was waiting for the perfect opportunity to wear this out. So we had this student ministry event that was coming up and Mike had stayed the night at my house. And I remember the next day, for some reason, he forgot some of his clothes. So he opened up my closet and he looked inside. He asked if he could wear something. So he starts shuffling through my closet and he grabs that sweater that I'm describing to you. He says, Foster, can I wear this? Now you have to understand, like on the inside as a friend, this is, this is, my, this is my best friend, my, my brother. I'm like, man, he's asking, can I wear this sweater? And I, I don't want him to wear it, but man, I don't wanna be selfish. And so I don't even tell him that it's brand new and I haven't worn it yet. I said, yeah, bro, just go ahead. You can wear it, go for it. I remember we go to this student hangout together. And when I tell you that he got all kind of compliments on that sweater, I mean, you know, from girls, from dudes like, man, where'd you get that sweater? That thing is awesome. Oh, I love it. Man, you got great taste. Can I tell you that I didn't say it verbally? Now, you might even think this is petty or insignificant, but on the inside, I was mad. I'm like, he didn't pick that out. That's my sweater. I have good taste. I look, I look good in that sweater. I deserve that credit. And I remember getting so frustrated over something that seemingly was so insignificant. And here's the reality. I wasn't upset that credit was being given. I was frustrated that I wasn't the one receiving it. And oftentimes, I believe the reason we can't let Jesus take center stage in our life is because of our own pride. We're too busy listening to this inward chanting of our own will and our own way that the voice of the Holy Spirit has grown faint in our life. I'll give you another example that's even more personal for me. When my wife and I, when our family moved out of state, I was a student pastor for many years at a church in Arkansas. And each year we did a student conference and it was always something extremely special where students came from all across the state and it was a big deal. And I remember 
uh, inwardly, I desperately wanted to play a bigger role in the conference than I had. Meaning the first year it was just, I was kind of a part of it and I was helping in, in certain aspects, but I'm gonna be honest, we had different speaking segments during the conference where you'd have somebody that would lead a main session either in the morning or the afternoon. And inwardly, I desperately wanted to be on the stage. I wanted to have a microphone in my hand. And I remember the first couple years we did this conference, um, I don't know if, if I angled it in a certain way or tried to force my way, but I never ended up getting a chance to communicate. And the years went on and we did this conference and it almost felt like every year that I didn't get what I wanted or I felt that I deserved, I was growing more and more frustrated. I was growing more and more bitter on the inside. And truthfully, I couldn't understand why. And I remember having this moment in my life where it was like, doesn't anybody see my gift? Doesn't anybody see what I have to offer? God, I should be up there. I should be the one communicating. I should be the one sharing something, opening up your word. And I remember what was beginning to take place is this desire on the inside of me was beginning to turn extremely toxic. And I remember I never ended up getting the chance to speak but I did get bitter and I did harbor a lot of anger. And I remember the day where something broke on the inside of me. I mean, at my, it spilled over into every area. With my wife, she could understand that I was frustrated all the time. And I remember there was just this moment when I was in prayer and I was just so convicted that even if I had been wronged in any way, which I wasn't, but even if I had been, the person that was wrong was me. The issue was me. I was broken and I was wounded. And listen, having a desire to do something for the Lord is not a negative. It's when that God-given desire goes haywire and becomes driven by arrogance and pride that you have a problem. There was something inside of me that I recognized was not healthy, it was not whole, and I just wondered, why do I need this so bad? Why am I looking for this affirmation from man? And let me tell you, when that happens, all we'll wanna do is serve Jesus to satisfy our own insecurities rather than worship him as our Lord and Savior. The essence of religion is an attempt to gain favor with God on your own merit and on your own works. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 64, verse six, here's what it says about that kind of posture. It says, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. I had layers upon layers of pride in my life. Suddenly, serving Jesus wasn't about glorifying him. It was about me and my ministry increasing. The gospel is this beautiful journey where the reality of Jesus grows bigger and bigger, larger and larger in our lives, and we grow smaller and smaller in our own eyes. I used to do this, maybe you can relate, in my marriage all the time. 
I would keep score with my wife, especially early on in our marriage. We've been married almost 18 years, but it would be like I would brag to my wife or, or get frustrated when I didn't feel like she was doing as much as I was doing around the house or, don't you see what I'm doing? Don't you see all the work that I'm getting done? What are you doing? And I remember there was always this tension that I was creating because I never felt like I was being recognized and I always felt like I had to keep score and let me just encourage you as we enter into a brand new year, instead of keeping score in your relationships or in your marriage, what if we just started to love our spouses the way Christ loves us unconditionally all the time? How would things change if instead of seeking recognition, you found joy in knowing the Lord is in complete control? Maybe for some of you in your marriage, it's that you always have to be the one that's right. You're never wrong. It almost, it almost feels like your opinion, your viewpoint, your value is always the one that's increasing in your relationship and your spouse, they're always the ones that, that their opinion, their values are always decreased. What if Christ took more of a center role in your marriage, in your relationships this year? What if in your career, instead of trying to step on or step over everybody around you, you simply honored those that you worked with and instead of trying to climb the ladder on your own and maneuver your way up to the top, you just placed it in the Lord's hands and you just said, God, I'm gonna trust you this year like never before. I love what one translation says in this passage in John 3, 29 and 30. This was the posture of John the Baptist. It says, that's why my cup is running over. This is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip off to the sidelines. In America, in our culture, we fight to get to the front. We fight to get our own way. In the kingdom, we joyfully move to the sidelines so that Christ gets all the glory, so that everything is about him. What happens when Jesus increases in my life? Wherever he leads you follow, our fulfillment and our joy increase. And then number three, when Jesus increases, we rest in knowing that he is in complete control. He's in complete control. Our value, your worth, your significance isn't based on how many followers you have on Instagram or social media or how successful in the eyes of culture you become. Your value, your identity, and your purpose are found in Christ and Christ alone. If we allow Jesus to increase, then our will and our way will decrease. We'll fade into the background and our names won't be cheered. It'll be Jesus front and center. Guess what? You wanna know what the atmosphere of heaven is gonna be like one day when those of us that have placed our trust and our lives in the hands of Christ, what it's gonna be like? Exactly as I just described in Revelation 4, Verse eight, it says, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even 
under its wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In heaven, no one will be chanting your name. It won't be about you and it won't be about me. It's only gonna be about the Lord and what he has done. No one will be bragging or telling stories about their achievements, goals, or pursuits. We're all gonna be giving praise and honor to the one who deserves it the most. So here's the challenge. Going into a brand new year, let's clean up our heart. Let's be honest with ourselves and take inventory. And let's remember what happens when Jesus increases in my life Wherever he leads, you follow. Our fulfillment and our joy increase when Christ increases. And then we rest in knowing that he is in complete control. If you would, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me here this morning? I would love to pray with you, pray over your family this weekend. Lord, right now, our heart cry as we enter into 2021 is that as your word says, that we would decrease and Jesus, you would all the more increase. In fact, I love what it says in another translation that you would become greater and greater and we would become less and less. Lord, all that we are, we place in your hands. We don't try to maneuver to get our will or our way. Jesus, we want what you have for us. And we're so joyful for whatever that may be. God, give us the strength, give us the ability. Whatever 2021 may bring, Lord, help us walk through it, navigate it with you at the center. And Lord, I also pray if there's anybody watching here this weekend that they've never made a decision to follow after you. Jesus, they've never trusted you. They've never prayed that prayer and accepted you, Jesus, into their life and made you Lord and Savior. If that's you and you're watching, I would love to pray for you this weekend. The word says when we make that decision, when we say yes to Jesus, something inwardly takes place. What was once dead is made alive. When we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, the word said spiritually, there's a transformation that takes place. We can know confidently that we can walk with the Lord in a relationship that we've never had. Heaven is our eternal destination and we can have a hope that no matter what comes next, will never be shaken. If that's you, and you wanna pray that prayer this weekend, I'd invite you to do it. If you would, pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, right now, I accept you in my life. I call you Lord, and I call you Savior. I thank you that you've saved me, I pray, Jesus, that you would increase in my life. I give you 
total access and full control. Help me as I grow in this relationship with you. Thank you for saving me. And I thank you that I can call you Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. This has been such an honor, BC, to be with you here this weekend. I do wanna say, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, or perhaps you prayed and you were recommitting your life to Christ, if you would text the word believe to the number below, the team here would love to reach out to you, send you a free Bible and encourage you as well. It has been such an honor. If you think about Keystone Church or if you know somebody in the greater Pittsburgh area that doesn't have a home church, please send them our way. It's been such an honor. Thank you so much. God bless. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at Believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.